When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing good. And Scott Patsko joining us as well. Scott, how are you? Good. We're ready to go. Okay. It is Texter Tuesday. So what that means is we went to our football insiders. We sent them a text and asked for questions. And then uh, if you've been paying attention and you listened last week, we also put out the invite for them to jump into our Zoom here. Uh, to join in the show and ask their questions live and in person. So uh, that zooms out there. We'll see who calls in and asks questions. But until then, let's just get right to it. Because, you know, Mary Kay, I was talking to Scott and uh, our videographer, Dave Anderson, before we came on. I sort of had a moment this weekend where I realized I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I, I was out for a run and I realized... You know, it's Saturday. It's the first Saturday in August. And normally that first Saturday in August, I'm watching practice. We're interviewing players. We're sitting at the facility writing all day, probably recording a podcast, shooting some videos. It was a very bizarre kind of moment. So one of the questions here that that someone sent in from the eight, I'm sorry, from the 904 area code, have they given you an agenda or schedule for when they will, will start real practice? And are they going to scrimmage more since they don't have practice games. So let, let's spend a little time talking about that. Uh, we do know that real practices that we're going to get to watch are going to start on Friday, August 14th. So that's sort of what we're targeting. Um, and they're going to go hard for those few weeks. They have to have one day off every seven days. So it's, it's going to be a, a fast-moving stretch when we get there. But Mary Kay, what are you expecting when we actually get to watch practice? Well, I had the same feeling that you did over the weekend because for the past, you know, whatever, 28, 29, whatever, 30 years, I can't even remember. I've lost count. <laughs> but that's how my summers have gone. You know, you get to the end of the July and you basically say goodbye to your kids. You say goodbye to your spouse and you just don't see anybody except for the Browns and your fellow sports writers for the next few months or for the next, you know, starts with camp and then it goes all the way really till the end of the season. So uh, it is very, very different right now. Uh, but as you mentioned, practice uh, will begin in earnest on August 14th for the Browns full squad practice, not pads yet. That doesn't happen until August 14, August 17th. Then from August 17th to September 6th, September 6th, there will be 14 padded practices in that span. And uh, so they really just have to kind of pack it all in uh, to those, whatever, three weeks or so of practice. And then 
the way things are a little di bit different for us, we will be out there watching practice. Then we will have Zoom calls with the coach, Zoom calls with the players, and we're all just trying to adjust to this new normal. Scott, did you have that moment at all this weekend? You know, yeah, I kind of went for a walk uh, this morning, actually, and I thought, you know, under normal circumstances, I would be standing still for two hours <laughs> in one place with the sun beating down on me. Like, although not today, it's very rainy outside here. But um, yeah, I, I have thought about that, how I really need to get in better shape and prepare for, for training camp. I feel like I put that off because, you know, two, two and a half hours of standing out there in the sun watching football, it, it sounds great. But, you know, an hour in, you're like, all right, are we there yet? You know, your legs are starting to feel it. But yeah, it is, it is different. I think um, we're going to feel that rush to the finish line too, I think, uh, in that um, it's going to be this, uh, this condensed version of, uh, of the training camp storylines that we, that we usually get every year. There'll be some new stuff thrown in, obviously, because of the situation. But yeah, I definitely had that feeling. And uh, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing everybody get on the field and, and how it's going to work for, for us you know, um, spaced out. Uh, usually it's, you know, we're all in this big crowd kind of following, you know, everybody around the field. The, the whole team will congregate over on one field. So the, the reporters, you know, just kind of follow them. If you've ever been out as a, as a fan to training camp, you've seen that. Uh, but we kind of have to stay spaced out this year. So I'm, I'm ready to bring my binoculars so I can see everything. I do wonder if, uh, you know, are we going to see, we, we know that they're going to keep guys separate during these walkthroughs. They're not going to huddle during walkthroughs and things like that. Um, I, I wonder if we're going to see a little more division than we normally see, normally see in practice. If maybe they might separate, you know, first team, second team on, on one field, third and fourth team on another. I'm, I'm curious to see if that's, that's how it's all going to look once they actually take the field. Uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting to watch because they do have the space there and they're going to have even more space, of course, with, without fans in attendance and, and all of that. So I, I'm curious to see how, how all of that looks. Mary Kay, do you think, I mean, do you think we're going to see a different looking practice or is it going to look, once we get there, is it going to look like practice? Well, I do think it will look different in that Kevin Stefanski mentioned that he's going to split the squad into an orange squad and a brown squad. And I don't think they're going to do that you know, first team, you know, first and second team, third and fourth team, I think they'll probably try to kind of make two different teams with a mix of all different levels. That's my guess. Uh, and, and then they'll maybe, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work, but I think that that's what they have in mind. And therefore they aren't going to waste any time. We've been talking about that for a long time. They do not have a minute to waste in this camp, especially the Browns. They don't know each other. They don't know who their linebackers are going to be. The, the, the coaches don't even really know what some of the players look like yet. Uh, so therefore, you know, they, they have to be extremely efficient in this training camp. And I think that's one way they're going to at least start out trying to do it with the 80 players. Now they do have 80, not 90. And, uh, and I think they'll, they'll try to split those guys up into maybe 40 and 40 and try to make it happen. Okay. Well, uh, we've got some questions. Our, our tech subscribers came through. We've got some folks waiting to ask us some questions uh, here in person. So let's get right to it. I'm going to uh, go to Brian Jock first. I, I don't know if I said that name correct, but Brian, if you want to jump on, and I know you'd started your video there. If you want to jump on video, you can do that as well if, if you're able to, up to you. But go ahead with your question, Brian. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Um, my question is, it's not 
directly Browns related, but it, it still affects them. I, I was kind of wondering what everyone thought about what Ben Roethlisberger was going to look like this year. And I, I have my doubts that he's going to be the quarterback he was with his age and injury. And um, just just wondering what your thoughts are about that and maybe how he kind of ranks in, in the AFC North. What's funny you should ask that the Steelers actually t- uh, tweeted out a Ben Roethlisberger video today. He, he looked, he looked leaner. We talked about Baker Mayfield kind of looking leaner and, and his footwork and the video the Browns put out. Ben Roethlisberger looked pretty lean uh, in, in that video today. I don't know if you, if you guys got a chance to see it, Mary Kane Scott. Was it just because he shaved his beard? Maybe. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen it yet. I will go look at that. There's been a lot of like little brown stuff happening yeah. today. So I haven't had an opportunity to look at that yet. Um, but he's going to be on a conference call tomorrow. And I'm very anxious to hear what he has to say uh, to the Pittsburgh media that he'll, he'll be talking to tomorrow. So that, that'll be something for everybody to keep an eye on. If he's out throwing already, and we know that there haven't been uh, – Steelers have been talking about how he feels good and his elbows feels good for a while now. So I wouldn't expect him to be anything less than he has been. And he had a year off from getting hit, you know. So I, I would expect him to be as good as he was when he left. And look, if that, if that arm is, is right and that surgery took care of what it needed to take care of and, and he's 100%, a couple of years ago he led the league in passing yards. So that- – yeah. You know, this is a guy that, that I think still uh, still has that type of ability, and that's really the key to the Steelers' season. That defense was so good last year and almost kind of dragged that team into the playoffs, and the Steelers are the, are the team that, uh, you know, I think so they when you go back and look at that seventh team, they're the team that would have benefited most from the, the current playoff format. So I, I think Ben Roethlisberger is a very he's going to end up being a very important piece to, uh, to this AFC North picture as it plays out and, and specifically to the Browns. Okay. I'm going to go to, uh, I believe it's Roman Graham. I'm going to ask you to unmute here. And once you do that, uh, you can go ahead with your question here on our Texter Tuesday edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. And there we go. You should be up and running. Hey everybody, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so obviously, uh, David and Joku is committed to us now. Are we really that confident in his blocking ability with uh, Stefanski? Stefanski, ah, <laughs> Stefanski's offense. We're uh, we're we're getting used to saying it too. <laughs> Mary Kay, that's kind of the big one of the big questions with uh, with Njoku, I think, especially in the zone blocking scheme. You know, we see Kyle Shanahan has some really good blocking tight ends that, that he can turn to in that run game, and it's, it's going to be key for these guys uh, to be able to block when, when they're out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's something he's going to have to work on. It's something he's going to have to be good at. It's just what uh, is going to be required of the tight ends in this offense. But I think they're also really looking at him as someone uh, that can go up and catch the football for you in the red zone. Now, of course, that is something he has to get more consistent at as well. We all know that. Uh, but he's worked very, very hard on that in the offseason. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons they really liked him, wanted him back this year, and did not want to trade him. I think they feel he can score the football. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's obviously has enough there. It's, it's about wanting to. I'm sure it's not that he physically can't block. I mean, he's a huge human being. And uh, – very athletic so he should be able to do it uh it's just 
the, the desire to do it. And I think being in this offense and knowing that he can be one of the two guys that's always out there is going to be motivation, you know, and also it's like you mentioned the other half, the, the carrot is dangling out there. Like the, the, the tight ends led the Vikings in red zone targets last year. Um, and you would think that it would be similar here with the Browns. So knowing that just being on the field, you're going to get those opportunities to score and, and do all these things you want to do. But in the meantime, you also have to do this other side of the, of the position and block. And I'm, you know, I think he can do it. And I think that uh, he, we're, we're going to see that from, him. we'll probably see, we'll see a better David Njoku this year. Well, I'm glad David Njoku came up because I wanted him to be a topic today. Uh, and, and this is why I want to ask each of you, uh, as, as we saw this all play out, and as we saw the fact that he requested the trade back on July 3rd, didn't really budge for a while, and now all of a sudden, you know, Saturday rolls around and he rescinds that, that trade request. Um, can, did we learn anything about Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski in this process, kind of sticking to their guns and, and saying, you know, we don't want to trade David Njoku, and now it looks like, at least for now, it's not going to happen? Well, you know, I, I think those guys do a really good job of talking to the players explaining what is expected of them and talking, telling them how they feel about them. And I think that they were genuine in that they believe that he can be a valued member of this offense and that he has a future here. If things go really well for him this season, they could even possibly start talking extension for him. I think it's significant that Andrew Berry was here when he was drafted, when they traded up to number 29 overall to get him in 2017. There's something to be said for, for that, uh, that you were part of the, you know, the, the draft class from your current general manager. So I, I think uh, all those things came into play, uh, you know, and I, I'm sure that he probably wanted to be the number one tight end somewhere, uh, but being the number two tight end here uh, might be just as good as being a number two elsewhere. Yeah, it's kind of like 1A, you know, in the way the Browns are going to have things set up this year. Yeah, and it just, uh, I come away from this feeling like, you know, they, they wanted to deliver a message to him that this is how you fit in the offense this is why you want to stick here and it seems like that message got through and also probably they had a price that they wanted to get for him and they probably didn't get that price and so they, they didn't just move him to move him um, I, I think that's a this is certainly a win for this front office uh, at least for now so uh, you know I, I think that's that should be exciting for Browns fans that this front office look Andrew Barry is the youngest GM in football right so all of these little things are tests for him he's never done this before he hasn't he hasn't been in the league that long uh, all of these things are little tests for him and he kind of just keeps passing them you know checking every box here little by little as, as we go along and, and learn a little more about him and I think this was one of those situations uh, where he was able to do that. Mary Kay, you have something to say here? Yeah, I wanted to add real quick that uh, we had talked about this before uh, with the David Njoku situation. Andrew Berry, I think, also needed to send a message or set the tone that you can't just make a trade demand and, and get your way. Uh, and, I, and I think that that was another aspect of this. Even though they want him and even though they really believe in him, I also think that Andrew needed to sort of establish the way he's going to do business and that, you know, that the players are, you know, can't necessarily dictate how things are going to go. It, it does uh, real quick. It does remain a mystery though. Like what prompted all this? Hopefully we'll get that answer because it is weird. It's not like, it's not like Duke Johnson. It's not like Kareem Hunt showed up 
and it's clear that he can do everything Duke Johnson can do. And there, there really wouldn't be room for both of them out there. But, I mean, I, you're not David Njoku, and you're left in the dark about what this offense is supposed to be. You know, you know I don't think you get to a point where Andrew Barry has to sit you down and explain to you, oh, by the way, we're going to play two tight ends. Like, that should have been, you know, apparent from the, from the moment they brought in Kevin Stefanski. So hopefully we get the answer on that. Uh, because it was just an odd thing from the start. Well, one, one of the things was that uh, when I was doing the, the trade request story, someone mentioned to me that, uh, that the Cowboys might possibly be interested in him at that time. And subsequently, I think there, a report came out of Dallas that you know, they weren't going to be interested in him or whatever. But I think there was some thought that perhaps – he could end up with the Cowboys. And maybe that didn't pan out. Maybe that didn't come through. Maybe that has something to do with this. Okay, let's get to our next question here. Before we uh, take our break, we're going to go to Terry Cosma, who is unmuted and ready to go. Go ahead, Terry. Yes, I have a, a couple concerns with the quarterback uh, announcement today about being on COVID. Uh, my two-part question is, are the quarterbacks being separated, do you think, at all? And then that brings up the specialty teams people. If we only have one kicker and one punter and the punter's the holder, what are they going to do if one of them goes down and there's nobody else on the team? How do you think they're going to handle that? Well, well Mary Kay, Kevin Stefanski addressed the first part with us uh, last week. So, uh, you know, how, how are they kind of approaching this, this quarterback situation? Well, we kind of like grilled him on it, actually. It was the first question that I asked him. And it was like the, you know, the second question into, into the Zoom conference that we had with him. Are you going to keep your quarterbacks away from each other so that you for sure have at least one of them for opening day? And he said he thought they had a good enough, a sound enough plan uh, that they he didn't think he needed to keep them apart per se. He did say he would be mindful of it. And again, He's one that is willing to pivot, as he always says, and change it up as you go along. Garrett Gilbert, uh, being now placed on the reserve COVID list, might make him think twice about whether or not he can have those quarterbacks in that same room altogether. There are four of them. Now, the room is, is vast. He said it's, you can fit way more people in the quarterback meeting room than these four quarterbacks and still keep them socially distanced. However, I do think now there is something to be said for uh, trying to keep the, the quarterbacks away from each other as much as you possibly can. I mean, this sent up a red flag to me today when I saw it. As far as special teams go, um, your punter and your kicker, at least in the Brown situation, would probably be considered the emergency backup for both positions. We know uh, Jamie uh, Gillen can can kick field goals. <laughs> that was a big story last year. Uh, it was OTAs or training camp. I can't remember, but I think it was, over there, I think it was camp. yeah, hitting 60 yarders on the practice field while the other kickers were, were struggling. Um, and um, I imagine Austin cyber can, can punt if he has to. Um, but there's no shortage of kickers and punters in the world to go out and get off the street. I mean, there are only 32 of these jobs in the NFL. So, um, it wouldn't be hard to bring people in. I think it was the Bears who had like five kickers in camp <laughs> last year because they had so many issues the year before. So there are plenty of people out there. The, the trick, of course, is getting one that, you know, can be consistent. But um, I don't think there's any worry that if, you know, 
your kicker or your punter went down that you wouldn't be able to find somebody. I, I think we might see a uh, we might see a practice squad kicker this year, practice squad punter maybe. Um, I don't know how they would handle Holder. Maybe cross train a backup quarterback or something. You got uh, sixteen spots. You know the interesting. I think the interesting position, if we're going to talk about specialists, is do you need an extra long snapper? Can Treader do that? I don't know. Yeah. It's it's such a strange position because he also has to go down and cover the kick which I know is something, I mean, Scott, I know you've talked to Charlie Hewlett before. I know that's something he takes a lot of pride in is yeah. going down and, and covering kicks and well, wanting to tackle guys. Yeah. He wants to lead the NFL in tackles for long snappers, but um, the, the, the leaders are usually like four, five or six tackles. So it's not like they're, they're the leaders on the team in tackling. It's, it's tough to snap and get down there and be that guy. It kind of has to, you know, the play has to come to you in, in, in many ways, but yeah, that is one of his goals. I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure J.C. Treader could probably handle it for a game if he had to, I would think, maybe. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there's a tight end or, or a linebacker who did it at some point in college that we don't know about yet, because that's usually where you get those long snappers. Well, you know, Kevin Stefanski talked last week about how they have contingency plans, and, you know, they have the backup plans for every single position, for him, for all of the coaches, for all of the players, I'm sure they, they've had to talk about uh, the kicker, the punter, the, the long snapper. I mean, you, you know, you have to be ready in the event something like that happens. So I guess, you know, if they can't find somebody out the street, they would have to uh, dig around on their own roster. The, the thing that I do find about a lot of these guys uh, on these football teams is they do have some hidden talents that they would love to share. Right. Uh, some, some defensive guys have played offense before and would love to score some touchdowns and play on the goal line. And uh, you've got, you know, receivers that can throw the football a mile. And, uh, you know, so there's all, all different kinds of ways that you could go about it, but they do have a lot of contingency plans. They will return to the glory days of the NFL where your quarterback was also your punter. <laughs> I see Baker out there yeah. kicking a few. Well, our, uh, our texter Tuesday uh, Football Insider subscribers have come through for us so far to this point. They got us talking about potential backup long snappers. So, you know, that's, <laughs> uh, that's worth it. We're going to take a break here, uh, and then we're going to come back and, and wrap things up. We've got an Odell Beckham Jr. question that, that we've got to get to uh, that's coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. 
<laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Now back to our show. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on Cleveland.com. Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko, Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, what do you got for us here? Well, I just wanted to say we really appreciate having our texters come on live with us on Texter Tuesday, and we would love to see you. So if you're up for it, uh, you know, put yourself on, on, uh, on video here, turn that on, and, uh, and join us that way, and, uh, and, and we would love to, to meet you face-to-face. Yeah. That, I don't know. It could be my fault. I'm not sure. Um, you know, we're still navigating this this Zoom universe. But definitely, yeah. When you when you ask a question, if if you're able to toggle that video on, uh, do it. And if you can't toggle that video on, jump in the chat and say, "Hey, Dan, let me turn my video on. I'll, I'll help you out there." Okay. Uh, question came in via text uh, about Odell Beckham Jr. Of course, uh, a Wall Street Journal interview ran uh, today. Now the interview was done two weeks ago uh, before the NFL and NFLPA uh, reached their agreement on safety protocols. And of course, you know, you'll remember they had that big kind of social media uh, movement where all the players tweeted out uh, about safety protocols. And then lo and behold, a, uh, an agreement was reached not too long after that. So that's a little strange that, that this interview came out now and some comments from OBJ that, that kind of got everybody's attention are, are pretty outdated uh, because it seems like he's, he's all in for this season when, you know, in the interview, maybe it sounded like, like he might be willing to opt out. But here's the question about that from the 915 area code. Uh, it says, this is actually Robert Seltzer. He included his name. It was telling, I think, that OBJ told the Wall Street Journal that he would not mind if the season were canceled. How many Browns do you think share that view? And could you blame them if they did? So I guess if, if we're kind of looking if we're kind of looking to take anything out of that, you know, you do wonder, I guess it shows you the players, at least before this agreement was reached, before they got into the facilities and saw how kind of this little bubble was set up in Berea, that there was real concern heading into this about, you know, the league keeping them safe. And you've got to think that's going to be in the back of guys' minds a little bit, even if they do feel safer now that they're seeing these protocols. Absolutely, 100%. There are plenty of guys on every single team that have some high-risk factors going on, whether it be body mass, asthma, whether it be a family member, whether you have a a new baby at home or your wife is pregnant. Uh, There are so many reasons that these guys have uh, to be concerned and worried about this. And I, I don't think that's going to stop the minute they walk into the facility, even though they will find that the Browns are going above and beyond the call of duty in so many ways. We've heard a guy like uh, Chad Thomas on social media say, you know, this is really scary and I'm in a high risk group. You know, I mean, who knows? We don't have the precise date for opt out yet, the deadline. Uh, but between now and that time, which could be next week, uh, between now and then, a few more Browns could decide 
that they want to opt out. Right now, it's only Drew Forbes and Drake Dorbick that have done so. Uh, but I keep, I have Chad Thomas in the back of my mind. And as you guys know, on the pod last week, I said, I thought maybe Odell would opt out. Yep. I just kept having a feeling. I, I, everything that I heard him say, even whether, you know, whether it was on the round table uh, with Cam and Todd Gurley, uh, you know, he just sounded like he was having trepidation about playing the season. I think he's fine now. Uh, but again, there is a deadline looming out there. Yeah. The other part of his question, I, I I don't know anybody would hold it against any of the players for opting out. I mean, it's obviously they're, they're right. And, you know, they're going into a situation where nobody really knows what's going to happen. You know, uh, we've seen the issues that baseball has had uh, by not being in a bubble and that's a very non-contact sport. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I agree with Mary Kay. I think we're going to see more people, you know, if you've been in this league for a handful of years and you've made some decent money and, you know, Maybe that would appeal to you. If you have a wife, you have children at home, why not, you know, just sit this one out and kind of reboot and be ready for 2021 and hope it's a better situation. And, and real quick, uh, this is just a matter of bookkeeping, but there's been a lot of misinformation on the money that they get and what they have to pay back and who doesn't have to do this or that. So in its simplest form, if you opt out for a high risk medical reason, you get $350,000. You don't have to pay that back. If you were a voluntary opt-out, you get $150,000, and that comes off of your salary next year. If you don't play next year, well, then I actually think you do have to pay that back. But uh, So it's a little different between those two categories of players. Yeah, there, there's, it's a really complicated situation. I do think the one thing... Um, you know, with everything that's happened in baseball, I'm sure that there are coaches and general managers and even veteran players on teams saying, look, this is what happens if when you leave the facility, you don't do the things you're supposed to do. Um, it's going to be really hard uh, to kind of keep everybody healthy, everybody safe, keep the virus out of the building. If when you leave the building where they've created sort of this bubble, as Kevin Stefanski called it, and it does look a lot like a bubble with everything they put in. But if you aren't responsible and, and don't take care of what you're supposed to take care of, uh, I mean, you really could torpedo this whole thing. So maybe the fact that, again, that calendar working in the NFL's favor, right, at least for now, seeing baseball struggle with their non-bubble setup, it, it kind of sets this example of this is what can happen. And in the NFL, you don't have the luxury of canceling games and playing double headers for two weeks. You know, you've, you've pretty much got to keep that schedule moving along. Um, I, I know there's some things built in maybe to the schedule where they can move things back, but that, that's certainly not what you want to get into. Very quickly, uh, one, other, one other note about this that I find interesting. Garrett Gilbert tested negative three times to, in his pre-entry testing to be able to enter the building and start participating in walkthroughs and strength and conditioning. That was from when July 24th uh, for the next three days, he was able to, then after that, he, for the next four days they tested, he, he produced three negative tests. And then they started daily testing and now he's on the, on the COVID list. And, you know, it's, I'm sure Garrett Gilbert wasn't out, you know, you know, spending time with all kinds of people and not being careful. I, I know, I mean, he's just not that kind of person. I'm sure he was doing everything he possibly could to be careful. And that I think illustrates the point that it's going to be very difficult extremely difficult to mitigate this and to keep it 
from you know taking over a team or several teams. Yeah, we've we've seen cases where certainly this can take, you know, it can take a day or two to really show up in that test. And you let somebody into that building because they're producing those negative tests, and then all of a sudden, oh look, they they did have it after all. Um, that, that's where it becomes very problematic. So look, the Browns are in training camp, veterans are there, they're they're posting videos, but it, it's just a reminder kind of how tenuous all this is. Okay, uh, appreciate all of our Football Insider subscribers for jumping on here, sending us questions, the folks who are able to jump into our, our Zoom call uh, and, and get involved in this. If you want to get involved, you can this, was, this free trial gets you through to next week, so you'll be able to jump on our Zoom call next week. Uh, text 216-208-3965. Get that 14-day free trial started, and we want to hear from you on our Texture Tuesday when we record next week. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed to that Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. It hits all those services at midnight every single day, so you'll get that right on your phone. Uh, for Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>